You're listening to Deliberate Living, a podcast that inspires, empowers, and encourages listeners to live life more authentically. My name is Holly Priestley, and I'm a full-time nomad and writer who has been living in my 1997 Ford van since January 1st of 2019. I travel the United States with my dog, learning how to live with more authenticity. I explore different ways people choose to ditch the prescribed life we've all been sold and live on their terms, finding freedom and happiness however they choose. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Deliberate Living Podcast. I am your host, Holly Priestley, and this week I want to talk uh, at great length, um, probably not great length, maybe just medium length, um, about some of the mistakes that um, I have made uh, while living in the van, while preparing to live in the van, building out the van, first getting started in the van, um, you know, and I'm still making mistakes on a pretty daily basis, so maybe some of those will wiggle their way in there as well. Um, but yeah, that's the subject of today's episode, is just all about the biggest van life mistakes that I have personally made. And I think that even if I tell you about all the mistakes I've made, or you go and listen to other podcasts, or watch a bunch of YouTubes, or read a bunch of blog posts about mistakes that other people have made, I think that's really important to do so that you can prepare yourself appropriately and educate yourself and try to prevent some of these mistakes. Um, but you're probably going to make some of your own. Um, everybody's lifestyle is different. Your needs are totally different. The solutions that I find work for me might not work for you. Yada, yada, yada. Essentially your mileage may vary. So, um, if you're listening to this, uh, or watching this on YouTube or reading the, um, the written up version on my blog, in an effort to try and make as few mistakes as possible, or even to make the impossible zero mistakes, um, I commend you for your efforts, but also relax a little bit. You're going to make mistakes anyway. Just kind of roll with it and uh, learn from them and share with others um, along the way as you learn from those. So let's just get right into it. Um, the first mistakes that I made with the van were pre-purchase slash post-purchase, like that kind of van finding uh, time frame. I'm just going to start there and I'll work my way through. Uh, before I bought the van, um, I think if you've heard my story multiple times, you know that I started looking for vans in January. I test drove my first van in January and then I ended up buying this van that I'm currently seated in um, in August. So that's seven months and some change uh, where I was able to do the van purchasing process, test drive a bunch of vans, um, figure out funding for the vans. That was a huge mistake that I made for sure. Maybe I'll just start off with that one. Um, the biggest mistake I made, it wasn't even with this van to be honest, um, was not necessarily getting all my ducks in a row prior to uh, wanting to buy a van. I found one, I think in about May, April or May that I test drove um, that wasn't this van, um, but I test drove a van in April or May of 2018 that I completely fell in love with and I thought was going to be my rig. It hit all my specifications that I knew that I wanted, and uh, my budget at the time I think was somewhere between ten and fifteen thousand uh, dollars to buy the van, and um, I didn't have all the ducks lined up to actually get that ten or fifteen thousand dollars. I had it in my head that, oh yeah, I can get that. I have the ability. Um, and 
at risk of being a little bit too honest and too vulnerable, um, I own a house um, in Colorado, and I've been renting that house out for a number of years now. My assumption was that I could take out um, some equity on that house or do some other loan type process uh, to get the money for the van um, at ten or fifteen thousand dollars, and I figured that would give me a pretty reasonable payment that I could handle on the road, no matter what kind of job I was getting, I'd still have a little bit of money to put down and then just have a little bit of money on the loan. And so I just kind of figured it would happen. I have good credit. I have the equity. Um, I've always been very responsible and I've never been turned down for a loan before, um, even on a house when I will tell you up and down every day that I was not entirely qualified and I didn't buy the house um, entirely on purpose because I didn't think anyone would actually sell me a house and then they did, but that's a story for a whole nother episode. Um, but yeah, I just kind of assumed that I would be able to get a loan to help pay off the rest of the van. So when I found a van that I fell in love with earlier in the year, and then I went to go get the money. I mean, I told the seller like, all right, this is mine. Give me a few days to like get things lined up. I'll, you know, save it for me. Don't give it to anybody else. I want it. This is mine. This is my van. And then I went to go actually like try and get the loan and try and get the money lined up and I wasn't able to. Um, long story shortish, uh, my CPA um, did had done my taxes for the previous year and he is a very good small business tax person and he helped me get all of the deductions possible and um, I had improperly done my taxes the year before so he helped me kind of fix that issue but all in all my income for the previous year did not qualify me to take out the loan even on my own house that I had previously assumed would just be available to me and so I wasn't able to get the full 10 to 15 that I had budgeted for this van and so heartbroken for myself and feeling embarrassed and ashamed. I had to go back to the seller of the van that I had fallen in love with and test driven and already pictured myself in and I had already like decorated it on the inside in my head. I mean, I was, I was in, I was sold on this van. Um, but I had to go back and come to terms with it myself and then go back and tell the seller that I couldn't do it. And, um, I felt really bad and you know, all of that. So that was my first mistake, hands down, was not getting the funding lined up ahead of time. So I would highly recommend you get all of that squared away first before you even start looking at vans. Um, I don't think that my budget was necessarily too grand or unrealistic for me. I just didn't look into the logistics of how my previous year's taxes would affect this year's van purchase. Um, so then when I moved forward with the van, I knew like, all right, well, I basically have to pay for it in cash. I can't afford to get a loan and I'm not going to sell my car first. So I need to take that into consideration because I did have uh, a car at the time that I knew I would sell eventually, but I didn't want to sell the car until I had the van. So I wouldn't be carless in a city that in the area that I lived in, at least didn't have great public transit. I mean, it was a whole thing. It was a lot of moving parts to kind of figure out. So moving forward, I knew that I had to get a van that I could buy in cash. And that dropped my budget from about ten dollars to $15,000 down to about six, which is what I bought this van for. That was pre-selling the car again. So for me, 
I wasn't able to get a loan. I had to pay for the van in cash. And at the time, that wasn't my plan. I planned on having a tiny loan with, you know, tiny payments that I could handle. Now that I'm this far into it, I'm really, really, really grateful that I paid for it in cash and that I don't have a loan and that I never had a loan for this van. That's a personal preference. I'm not saying that it's the right way to do it or the wrong way. I'm not saying that if you do get a loan, you're doing it wrong at all. Uh, Different strokes for different folks. I would have gotten a loan, but I was not able to. So I did pay for it in cash, and I'm grateful that I did, and moving forward, I will always pay for them in cash. Again, that's probably an issue for another episode. This one is about mistakes. (laughs) So then when I did find this van and I test drove it and completely fell in love with it, um, I, the next mistake I made with this van was not checking out the van and all of its, uh, house RV conversion parts adequately enough before purchasing. I did take it to a mechanic for a pre-purchase checkup, and I highly recommend everyone do that for any used vehicle you're getting. I don't care if you're getting it from a dealership. I don't care if you're getting it from your best friend. Absolutely take it to a mechanic first and just get a pre-purchase checkup just so you know going into it what is wrong with your vehicle. I did that, and so I knew that the power brakes um, needed some kind of fix. And I knew that there was some other leaks that needed to be fixed, but wasn't really important. Like I figured out a few of the mechanical things with the vehicle that were wrong. Um, the mechanic of course did not look at the home components. Um, and so I didn't know to look at them. So I bought the van half converted, remember? So I bought it with my kitchen counter set up with the sink and the stove, and it also had the benches in it. Um, and so the seller had said, you know, everything works, everything's in there. Um, there's no water in the sink right now, but you know, it's just got a little pump. It's fine. Everything works. There's a 30 gallon tank underneath the van. Here's where the fill up is. Um, the stove works this way, blah, blah, blah. So basically I took the seller's word on everything and I didn't personally test everything. Um, I didn't know any better. So hopefully y'all will know better via my mistakes. Um, I found out after the fact, way after the fact, when it was way too late to even ask. And if you're buying a vehicle from another person, you can't really ask for anything after you bought it anyway. But I found out way after the fact that the water line um, was busted. So actually, I found out that the pump was busted first. So I went and bought a replacement pump, the exact same thing. So all I have to do is swap it in and out. And then I didn't end up swapping it because this was getting to be kind of cold. It was already October, November. The temperatures were dropping. I knew I wouldn't be using it over the winter because I wouldn't want the pipes to freeze. I wouldn't want the pump to freeze and break. I wouldn't want water to be in the lines. And, you know, if you've ever owned a house, you don't want your pipes to freeze. And I was living in Colorado mostly at the time. And I moved into the van when it was negative 7 degrees. So had there been any water in the system, it would have frozen and busted anyway. But I found out after I purchased it and the seller said, everything works great. There's just no water in it right now to test it. I should have put some fucking water in the the system so that I could see how it worked. So that I could see that it did work. Because what I discovered was not only was the pump broken, but the fill line into that 30-gallon tank that goes in from the side of the vehicle, just stick a hose into it and you fill up your 30 gallons of water, that fill line was also busted. So that's something I'm going to need to replace or at least tell the next people about if I decide to sell it before then. But if you're buying a van home that is already somewhat converted, 
absolutely take it to a mechanic for the pre-purchase check so that you know what's going on mechanically with the vehicle but check every single piece of the home stuff as well check the sink check the stove check all the electrical check fucking everything because I didn't and I was too trusting and also just unaware so I forgive myself for my ignorance but uh, y'all need to know to do that the next mistake I made is incredibly common happens to everybody who's moving into a vehicle absolutely happened to me more than once still does even almost two years into the the dealio here um, is not properly securing stuff um, I had stuff in this upper shelf up here uh, that was kind of heavy and glass and also um, let me see what you can see here if you're watching the video version here um, this bar here that's kind of holding everything into uh, the shelf was only secured with tiny wood screws or wood nails, not even screws. And so when I went bumping down the highway and especially on dirt roads, everything that's up here shifts back and forth as I hit the bumps. And so eventually the stuff in here, my spices, my teas, everything else, ran into this, um, I don't know, bar uh, over and over and over again. And then the nails kind of worked their way out of the blocks that they're held into. And so everything came crashing down in <laughs> great splendor. My stove sink top had had a cover on it. And this is a Dometic piece of equipment. Dometic is very well known for um, their RV, van life, off-roading equipment. Um, and so it's fairly durable, but the lid that was previously on it was made out of glass. And so the, the very first time when shit started falling down, something landed just so and it completely shattered all of that glass. And then that glass was the kind that just kind of keeps breaking after it's broken. And so I had huge mess of broken glass that was continually shattering into smaller and smaller and smaller pieces in my house. And this was this happened to, to occur at the end of a very long driving day after a couple of very long days um, socializing and being exhausted. And I was just really not mentally in a place where I could handle that. And then I had to. So I let the dog out of the van as quickly as I could so that she wouldn't be anywhere with the broken glass. Um, and as I'm trying to wrap my head around, how the hell am I going to clean this giant mess? There's glass everywhere. It was on my bed. It was in my cushions. It was on the floor. Obviously it was in the sink and the stove area. Um, there was even bits of shattered glass in her water bowl. I'm not kidding when I say this stuff went flying. It exploded and went everywhere. And it took me a long time to clean it up that night. And for months thereafter, and even still, I would occasionally find little bits of glass that have just snuck their way into the drawers or the cabinets. And yeah, it was just, it was very, very stressful. Um, and then also... In this upper shelf here, I would keep jars of things, and the jars were glass, and they would come crashing down. And another time, at the end of another very long driving day, the same situation happened again. 
and a huge jar of red lentils <laughs> fell to the ground and smashed everywhere. And then I had also that particular time a jar of sesame oil busted as well. So then my house was covered in a lot of shattered glass and a bunch of uncooked red lentils and a bunch of sesame oil. And I, again, was exhausted and not in any place mentally to deal with this because why would this happen at a time when you're ready for it? Why would you be ready for it? But um, yeah, it just came crashing down and I still find lentils everywhere. They're still like, you can't sweep them all up and they're so small, they just get everywhere. So definitely still finding lentils in my van. Uh, the oil was a hassle to clean up. The broken glass was a hassle to clean up. And I still have glass in the van. I'm not saying, like, glass is a bad idea. Just keep it a little lower. And um, make sure it's, like, not super fragile. And because I don't use the water tank that's underneath the van, I don't use the faucet that's attached to the sink, I don't use the water pump that I never actually replaced but still have the replacement for, I keep my water in a giant 7-gallon cube that I dole out into um, one-gallon containers that just do a, a gravity sink style. Hold it over whatever I need to put water in or over. Um, and previously, I had a couple of different one-gallon containers that I would put water in, and then I could carry more water with me, and that was great. Um, there's no real good way to secure them, and especially when I was first in the van, I wasn't really thinking about it very much because sometimes you have to go through the hard stuff to really learn your lesson. So sometimes uh, I would slam on the brakes a little bit too hard and the water would go whooshing across the floor and then it would hit something and it would bust open and then I would have water everywhere. And water everywhere is almost as bad as having shattered glass everywhere because it seeps into the subfloor. <laughs> And then you've got a squishy floor, and if you don't live in really dry places, like I have a tendency to, it can turn into mold, it can rot your subfloor or whatever your whatever else it touches, um, and water can be a huge stinking problem. In the same vein of having to slam on your brakes, anything that's in the house part of the van, especially on the floor, will go flying if I have to slam on the brakes for pretty much any kind of traffic. It happens, you know, you drive in America and you have to slam on your brakes for a deer, for the car in front of you, who knows? Slam on your brakes. Everything that's in your house, everything that's on your floor will end up in your cab with you. And that can be really stressful. It can be a huge mess. Sometimes these things break, like I said, and then they spill everywhere, whether it's water or lentils or whatever. And that can just be a huge hassle. So second biggest mistake is not properly securing stuff. And it, and it goes for big stuff as well as little stuff. You know, I've lost small things because they weren't properly secured. And some of those things, I have to be honest, I still haven't found. They're somewhere in the van. Maybe behind all this. I'm not really sure. But uh, you lose big stuff because it might break and shatter everywhere. And you lose small stuff like maybe an earring. Who knows? The third biggest mistake that I made in the van, especially in my first year, was traveling too fast. I think this is super, super common in the van community, at least it is in the in the people that I've talked to, especially on this podcast, um, is the first year on the road, you generally travel a lot. And you want to get from place to place, and you really want to exercise that freedom that you've given yourself by moving into the van in the first place, right? But this can lead to a sort of, like, 
destination addiction where you just want to get where you're going and get where you're going and get where you're going and get to the next place and take a picture. You could put it on Instagram. You could say you've been there and then you move on to the next place. And not only does that really limit your experience of the place, but it's also incredibly expensive to do. So traveling too fast and constantly being on the move you're probably missing a lot of the beauty of the road on the way or the towns that you pass through to get where you're ultimately trying to go. And if you slow down a little bit, you might be able to actually see stuff or meet people that you wouldn't have otherwise and might actually completely pivot the direction of your trip. And constantly going to like really popular touristy places can be underwhelming. So you build up this place that you want to go, this destination into this huge experience that you're going to go have. And then you get there and you're kind of like, eh, it's fine, whatever. When if you had just slowed down just a little bit, you might have had an even better experience in a place where you least expected it. Because it's that lack of expectation that kind of opens up the doors for something really amazing to happen. If you're expecting something to be really amazing... It's going to have to be really, really amazing in order to blow your socks off. But if you go someplace and you're like, well, let's just see what happens, you know, and you're kind of feeling a little meh about it, then you can actually be surprised and amazed and have an incredible time that you weren't expecting. And by traveling slower, you can save a little bit of money too. So if that's something that you're looking to do is not blow all of your savings on travel, cutting down on the gas you use is huge. The fourth biggest mistake from my first year on the road was not taking enough alone time, which is kind of interesting considering that I was alone way more last year than I have been this year, but I still have found myself constantly with people, with others, in groups, visiting someone, meeting new other people, and I'm an introvert, so I do need a lot of alone time. And sometimes when I'm in groups or even with one other person, I don't advocate for my alone time. I want to be a part of the group. I definitely have some FOMO. I don't want to miss out on something fun that's happening. Um, But it also comes down a lot to people-pleasing and not wanting the other person to feel like you don't want to be around them. When it's really just, I need to refill my own cup if you want me to be a contributing member to this uh, campfire chat later. So actually the combination of pursuing slow travel and advocating for my needs uh, to be alone more has been a really huge contributor to my mental health this year, even though 2020 has been a pretty crazy, hectic, unexpected, not always amazing year. When I find myself in space, in wilderness with you know, room to open up my slider and let my dog out off leash and no real commitments on the agenda. I'm able to actually create more and produce more and be a better person and also be more productive and be a better friend because I can get back to people who texted me or Marco Poloed me before. Um, Slowing down and getting my own space does allow me to be a better version of myself. Even if you're an extrovert, you need to be able to give yourself time to yourself to recharge or to rest or to figure out how you really feel about a situation or a place or a person or an activity. You need to be able to like 
have space and silence around your own head, around your own ears for you to be able to process the things that you've seen and done and been through. So yeah, slow down and take some time to yourself. These are the four biggest mistakes that I've made in the first year, two years of van life, and I hope that they have helped you um, maybe logistically, maybe a little bit more mentally and emotionally prepare for your journey on the road, whether it's just beginning or continuing or, like I said before, pivoting in some way. Um, and uh, if you have any additional questions about these specific mistakes or additional ones or struggles that you're having, don't hesitate to reach out. I'm an open book. I love sharing my experience with other people. And uh, again, thank you for tuning in to the Deliberate Living podcast. If you had value, um, if you found value in this episode, uh, go ahead and leave it five-star review wherever you happen to listen to it. Or, I mean, share the episode with somebody you think needs to hear it. If you know someone who's considering moving into a van or, or living on the road in some way, go ahead and share it with them. Also, if you'd like to contribute to the making of Deliberate Living, I do have a Venmo and a PayPal set up so that I can offset some of the costs from producing the show. And I hope that you guys are having an awesome day and tune in next week for another excellent episode. We've reached the end of this episode of Deliberate Living. You can find the show notes and everything we referenced over on my website. And be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts on YouTube or sign up for email updates every time something new is published. I'll see you next time on Deliberate Living, and until then, keep your life on the DL too.